Okay, guys, we are in lesson 14 today. We're about halfway, I think we're a little bit more than halfway through our study. And we're in chapter 2. We're going to look, first of all, to verses 1 to 7 when we talk about enduring hardship. Okay? Oh, by the way, do you think we need to hear some lesson about enduring hardship? Our lives are free of hardship, right? No, we have hardship, right? Okay, so let's look what he says here. Verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must first partake of the crops. Consider what I said, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. All right, so let's take a look at this. He's going to actually use some illustrations about how you and I are to face hardship, okay? So let's take a look. First of all, the call. Paul calls Timothy to be strong in the grace which comes through the relationship with Jesus. He tells him to be strong in the grace that comes through the relationship with Jesus. Now, okay, I'm going to stop you for a moment. I'm going to stop for a moment. I want us to all think for a moment. I want you to reflect personally. I mean, I already told you, I I kind of jokingly said that we don't, have any hardship in our life, right? No, we do, okay? So I want you to think about it for a moment. When you go through it, how are you feeling? It's not a hard one to... Oh, Brian says big thumbs down, okay? All right? How are you feeling? Alone, okay, alone. All right, that's good, John. Thanks for the... And then Tim said, yeah, okay. Uh, How are you feeling? Discouraged. Okay, thank you, Dottie. Afraid. Fear is a big one. That's right, Rhonda. Anybody else? I I heard somebody. Terrible, okay. How about, huh? Sad, which would be also depression, right? Like, sometimes you don't even want to get out of bed. Like, how do you face another day, right? Is that not true? So how are we feeling? I think we're priming the pump here a little bit. I think, I mean, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to think about the last time you went through something. Maybe you're going through something right now. How do you feel? Helpless? Down? Okay, so, all right, now. Paul's telling Timothy, because he's getting ready to launch into a section here talking about enduring. Enduring what? The difficulties and hardships of life. He's telling him to be strong in what? Grace. Grace that comes from the relationship with Jesus Christ. 
You know, if a great passage, if you want to write this down in your notes, is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And in those verses, Paul says, there was given to me, in verse 7, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Now, what does the word buffet? It's not, not buffet, okay, where you go eat at the Pizza Hut, okay, but to buffet me. Okay? Yeah, it's like watching a boxing match with Mike Tyson. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like watching Ali. Okay? Remember, remember the fights with Ali? I remember as a kid watching Ali fight. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's, it's watching somebody pound the dickens out of somebody. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, which the actual word means instrument of torture. So don't think of a little rosebush thorn a messenger of Satan to beat on me. And I, and here's what Paul said. Paul says, I asked God three times to take it away from me. That's pretty normal, right? God, get this problem away from me. And here's what God said. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. This is what Paul's talking about here. He's telling you to be strong in grace. And you say, Really? Yes, because there's the picture in the New Testament, especially in Ephesians, about grace upon grace. It's kind of like, I love going to the beach, okay? I love my family. If we're going to, if we want to talk about vacation, dad always wants to go to the beach, okay? And what I like about the beach, I like everything. I like the seafood. I like everything. But one of the things that amazes me is waves. Have you ever noticed the waves never stop? Because they can't, okay? They can't because of the lunar thing, all right? So the waves are constantly coming, and, and that's the picture there of grace upon grace. It's like one wave of grace after another. Isn't that wonderful? God is continually showing you grace, and he's telling you to be strong in that. Be strong in grace. Especially, why? Because we're in a life where you are going to what? Suffer. Go through it. Have hardship. Go through difficulties. Now, that just sounds depressing saying that, doesn't it? But that's life. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's life. Stuff happens, and it comes out of the craziest places. You never even expected it to happen, and it does. How do you get through it? Because you just want to, I didn't hear anybody say this, throw in the towel, right? Throw in the towel. Like, are you serious? Okay? But Paul calls Timothy to be strong in grace, which comes through the relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, verse 2, he tells Timothy to take a responsibility before he gets a little bit further. He, He tells Timothy was to take what he had been taught and teach faithful men so that others will teach. What's he been taught? Well, he's been taught the gospel and the relationship with Christ and the grace that comes through that relationship to help people to endure. So Timothy has a responsibility now to teach other men so that those other men will what? Teach others. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, okay, like my responsibility as a pastor is to teach you. But... 
It's not so that you have fat heads filled with lots of knowledge. It's so that you take what you learn and then you what? Teach others. Did you understand what I'm saying? Teach others. Now he goes on. Timothy was to endure. He's going to give three illustrations of how we're to endure hardship. Timothy was to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So that's his first illustration here. You're to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, some of we have some veterans here. They'll, they'll understand that. Because when you're in a war situation, it ain't good, is it? And you're called to what? Endure things that you would not normally endure back home. So like right now, to be honest with you, with our vets, the biggest issue with our vets is what? PTSD, right? Okay. They, I saw an interesting study. They said, why... Why is it so much higher now than it ever was? Like, for instance, with World War II vets. They still had it, but it wasn't as extreme as it is that they see right now. Why? Well, they said, well, because you can be on the battlefield in Iraq one day and the next day be in your base in the United States back on the street. The difference was when somebody came back from Iwo Jima, it took three months for him to get home because he had to ride a ship. You know, do you know what I mean? And all the stops in between before he got. So there was, there was a little bit of a lessening effect. That didn't mean that they were totally free from it, but the dramatic change was not there as it is now. What am I bringing that up for? I'm telling you that he's using an illustration of the stuff that soldiers go through. Be like a soldier and endure the stuff that you're going through. That's what he's talking about here. Be like a soldier and endure it. In fact, he goes one step further and says, a soldier does not entangle himself in the affairs of the world so that he can be faithful. Have you noticed when they show like the pictures of soldiers and what they carry in their backpacks, nobody's carrying a 52-inch screen TV with them. Do you know what I'm saying? So they can keep up with the soaps and the latest movies. Did you know what I'm saying? Nobody's carrying a case of whatever on their back, a case of their favorite soda pop. They would like to, did you know what I'm saying? Carry some McDonald's in the back rather than eating those, yeah, MREs, okay? So soldiers do not entangle themselves in the affairs of the world so that they can be faithful. Now, what does that mean for us? You know, you're called to endure. Part of the problem with the struggle that we have is, is that we hold on to this world too strongly. And he's saying we need to let go of it a little bit because your hope isn't here, is it? Your hope is where? Later on with Christ, where you're going to live for eternity. Okay? Where you're going to live for eternity. So a soldier does not entangle himself in the affairs of this world so he can be faithful. Now, let's go on. He's going to give us another illustration. An athlete. This is pretty relevant right now because we have the what? Winter Olympics, right? Okay. An athlete must compete according to the rules so that he can receive the reward. The crown he's talking about here is that laurel, 
you know, that laurel crown, a Stephanus crown, that is given to victors of the Olympics, you know? And so you and I are watching the Olympics. You know, we're watching some guy from Tonga who walks out there in sub-zero weather in his bare chest with coconut oil on him carrying the flag of his country. I thought it was interesting. What is he from a Pacific island doing in the Olympics? Did you ever wonder that? Sort of like the Jamaicans with the bobsled thing, right? Okay. What are they doing there? He learned to do this slalom thing Three months ago, he was just happy to compete. And he was happy that he said he said he wanted to finish and he didn't want to hurt himself. Those were his two goals. And he didn't come in last. The guy from Mexico came last. But do you know what I'm saying? So, But he had to prepare himself. What if I said to you, I'm going to represent Kerwinsville in downhill bobsled thing. What would you say? You're nuts, George. You're not even physically able to do that. Well, if I take 10 years, do you think I can get there? Well, it would take a lot of work, and I can't go to Ethan's and eat the burger there anymore, right? This is the point. You've got to endure because don't athletes have to endure? I mean, you think about it. You know, like we have some folks here who run. It would take a while for me to get up to where you're at, right? Because I've got to what? Work at it. See, this is the thing. You've got to endure the hardship. That's what he's talking about here. You've got to compete according to the rules. He goes on. He gives us another illustration. It's the illustration of a farmer. This is another good illustration, right? When a farmer plants, does he harvest the next day? When does he harvest? If he harvests, right? If the crop comes in good and there's no problems, you know? The hardworking farmer is the first to share in the harvest of the crops. So he, he basically endures whatever. And when the, when the crop comes, he takes for himself of that, right? Okay. So here's what he's saying then in verse seven. All these words are considered, as all these words are considered, Paul prays that the Lord gives him understanding in all things. This is not just for Timothy, this is for you and I. So as you think about what he's saying here, he's talking about being strong in grace. He's talking about enduring hardship like a soldier, competing like an athlete, working like a farmer. He's praying that as you think about what he's saying here, that the Lord will give you understanding as you what? Face the things you face. You understand? As you face. Because you are going to face them, right? Can we just go ahead and say that? You're going to face them. You say, I'd like a break. I would too. And sometimes God is gracious in giving us breaks, but what happens? It continues on and on and on. Stuff that you don't expect happening. Stuff happens that you don't want. Expect. So you need to pray and ask God to help you to consider what you need to do 
as you face the stuff that you face. Because you went to bed last night, everything was rosy. Have you ever had this happen the next day? The day's not even over yet, and you get blown away by something, right? Blown away. You are to endure. So let's notice now the basis of endurance. Look with me at verses 8 through 10. He's going to talk about how do we endure? What's the basis for me enduring? Look with me at verses 8 through 10. He said, remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of the God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. All right, here's what I want you to notice. First of all, he's telling you, as you think about enduring, he's going to tell you to remember the resurrection. He was to remember that Jesus, the son of David, rose from the dead according to the gospel. He was to remember the resurrection. All right, now let's let's stop for a moment. Why is that so important that I remember the resurrection? I mean, I'm going through it. Maybe maybe something blew up in the house and and I've got to get this repair bill or the engine's gone or I've got this relationship issue or the doctor's told me this. Why is it so important that as I'm facing the things that I'm facing that I need to remember the resurrection of Jesus? Okay, same God who resurrected Jesus will get you through his trouble, your trouble, okay? What else? Mike? He conquered death. So what does that mean for us? What's that? Endure because what comes later? Yeah, glory. I mean, there is a resurrection for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Life doesn't end. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is just a passing moment. Did you understand what I'm saying? The struggles of this life are just what? Not even a moment. A nanosecond. Not even a nanosecond, because you think about living for eternity where there is no time. Okay? He's calling you to remember the resurrection. That's good, Mike. Anybody else have something different than what Bruce or Mike said? Okay. So you're to remember the resurrection because that's where our hope is. Right? That's where your hope is because, listen, remember I said, how do you feel? One of you said, helpless. Why do you feel helpless? Because you've lost what? Hope. Hope. Do you know what I'm saying? You've lost sight of hope. Okay? He was to remember that Jesus, the son of David, rose from the dead according to the gospel. It was part of the, it was for the gospel that Paul suffered as one who does evil and was put in chains. It was for this gospel that Paul suffered. He's, so Paul's giving an explanation of why he was being put in chains and why he was suffering. It was for the gospel. So I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you know, I was listening um, to uh, speaker John Piper. He's written a lot of books out of Bethlehem Baptist. I think he's retired now from there in Minneapolis. 
And he talks about developing a theology of suffering. And I've told you about that before. You guys, we need to develop, personally, a, a theology of suffering. So let me enlighten you a little bit about suffering, okay? When we talk about suffering, you need to understand that maybe what you're going through is because you are a Christian. We say, well, no, wait a minute, George. I don't have anybody persecuting me. I don't have anybody giving me a hard time at work because of what I believe. My neighbor isn't, you know, I don't, I don't know that I agree with that. Well, you're only looking at it from one perspective. You're only looking at it from the perspective of human beings opposing you for the gospel, right? But there's another perspective, isn't there? Yeah, demons, Satan. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, you got a hard time with the Bible then. Job, first two chapters of Job. Read first two chapters of Job. Satan comes and reports to God. Where you been? How's it going? Hey, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, you're just protecting him. Well, you know, you could take what he has. Just don't touch him. Take his life. What did I just quote to you? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. There was given to me a what? A thorn in the flesh, a messenger of who? Satan, to buffet me. Here's what I want you to understand, is that sometimes the difficult struggles that we go through are just because you're a Christian. Okay, so stop for a moment. You ever had somebody tell you that when you got saved, that everything from that moment on would be hunky-dory and wonderful? You ever heard somebody say that kind of stuff to people? I actually tell people, don't ever tell them that. Because have you noticed that sometimes when you get saved, it's like it all breaks loose? Did you know what I'm saying? And there, you have more problems as a believer now than you did when you were an unbeliever? Why? Because Satan didn't need to pay attention to you before, did he? Now that you're a believer, he wants you to be what? Defeated. Did you understand? Defeated. He wants you to walk away. So Paul's saying here, it was for the gospel that he suffered as one who does evil and was put in chains. So even though he was chained for the gospel, he says this, the word of God is not chained. Even though you suffered, and even though it seems like the stuff you're going through is hindering you from, from ministering and serving Jesus, God's word is not chained, is it? It's going to keep going on. Okay? It's going to keep going on. It's still going to keep having an impact still have an impact. Now, let's go on here. The reason for enduring. Paul proclaims that he endures all things for the sake of who? God's elect. Now, who's God's elect? Yeah, believers. He goes through the stuff that he goes through for the sake of other believers. This point has been lost with folks. This point has been lost. You know, I, you know, because I'm a pastor, I go to conferences and things. I interact with pastors sometimes. And I, I'll hear young guys who are ready to throw in the towel and give up on the ministry because things are tough in church. They're always going to be tough in church. Do you understand what I'm saying? They always are going to be tough in church. 
Well, we shouldn't do this ministry anymore, not just pastors. We shouldn't do this because things are tough. They're always going to be tough, right? They're always going to be tough as we try to minister for the gospel. So he's enduring it for the sake of who? God's elect, for the people who are coming to Christ, who will come to Christ. Do you understand? You got to endure it. You got to go through it. He endured so that people may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to go through to see that guy at work or that gal at work or that neighbor or that loved one come to Jesus? What are you willing to do? I'm not asking you to answer that out loud. I'm asking you to think about it. Because what I'm, what I'm sensing today with the North American church is that we're not willing to go through much. Because I think we've lost perspective that we're not here for the moment, we're here forever. See, what are you willing to endure for your loved ones to come to Jesus? Did you understand what I'm saying? Just stick with your loved ones. Don't even stick with the guy at work. Just stick with the thought of your loved ones. What are you willing to endure for them to come to know Jesus? Paul's saying, you know what? It's because of my, because of the elect I'm suffering and I endure so that others may obtain what? Salvation. So that they would come to know Christ. That they would know to come to know Christ. You know, if you go over to Romans, I think it's chapter 11, Paul said that he would readily go to hell so that the Jews would come to know Christ, so that his brethren would come to know Christ. That's a different mindset, isn't it? That's really wanting to endure all things for the sake of somebody else coming to know Jesus. So verses 11 through 13, we're going to finish up here in these five minutes. He gives a faithful saying. So look with me at verses 11 through 13. This is a faithful saying. For if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we will, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. All right, so let's go through that. Number one, he talks about the life with Christ. Those who have died with Christ will live with him. What's he saying there? He's making a point here that when you died with Christ, what is that? You died to your old self the moment you got saved and you became a new person. You lived with him. The point is, is that even though they kill your body, you will always live and be with Jesus. That's the point here. He's quoting, you know, there. So then notice now, rain, he, in verse 12, he also says, those who endure will reign with Jesus. You think things are tough here? They are. But you just endure because later on, you'll reign with Christ. That's his point here. He goes on and talks about that those who deny Jesus will be what? Denied by him. Those who deny Jesus will be denied by him. And then he talks about faithfulness. Jesus cannot deny himself since he is faithful in spite of our unfaithfulness. This is wonderful, isn't it? All right, let me ask you, how many of you are 100% faithful to Jesus? 
Can you raise your hand for us? Thank goodness we all realize that, right? The wonderful thing about this passage is that in spite of our unfaithfulness, he's still faithful. Why? Because he can't deny himself. And what's the name of Jesus? One of the names of Jesus is that he's faithful and true. So think about it for a moment. Even in spite of your unfaithfulness, he'll still be faithful to you. Is that not awesome? Is that not awesome? That is an awesome thought. That he will continue to be faithful to you, even though you're not faithful. Because, you know, because here, so you don't need to live in panic like, oh, I messed up. It'll never be this. No, he's faithful to you. That's why there's what? Forgiveness. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. There it is, faithfulness. He's faithful. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The faithfulness of God. Is that not awesome? So endure. Tough it out. Go through it. I know it's hard. But there's something better coming.